Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on? It's another day here at uh, at Full Scale Headquarters, Startup Hustle Media Enterprise. Another day in paradise. Yeah, man. Coming up on episode 100. Are you excited for new kids on the block tonight? Yeah, man. It's. I mean, I'm not only excited for new kids on the block. I'm excited for Salt and Pepper, Naughty by Nature. All that tonight? Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. And, you know, here's the thing, too, is I saw someone posting, one of my friends, I guess they were just in Indianapolis, and um, one of my friends had gone and was posting some videos, and it really looked like a good time. Wow. I'm jealous. Are you really, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, actually, you can't go tonight because you're you're doing fancy stuff with Ingrams, aren't you? Ingrams 40 under 40 tonight. Someone asked me like a week ago, they're like, what do you do in your spare time? I was like, I watch Watson win awards, (laughs) which is totally true. It is. So, um, well, I don't know if she's won any awards, but we do have a special guest with us today. We have Caressa Hutchinson, the founder and CEO of Modern Health. Hi. Hello. Well, thanks for joining us today. Yes, great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward. This is a little change of pace. We, uh, it is and it isn't. Um, another Kansas City-based founder. It's always good to shine light on our beautiful Midwestern city. But, Absolutely. Yeah, so um, tell us what you do at Modern Health. All right, jump right in. We do um, care coordination, patient advocacy, and benefit optimization in the SAS model. Okay, so are you are you a nurse? I am a nurse. And what made you want to start Modern Health? Well, I was in the healthcare field for several years. um, Started doing medical coding, um, worked in. Um, healthcare clinics, and then moved into becoming a registered nurse and working at the hospital level. Um, At all three levels, I noticed a huge gap in the care system. So a big, everything was fragmented and patients were overwhelmed trying to actually walk out their care plans and actually um, follow the orders that we were giving them. And um, I'd say the people side of things has always gotten me a little bit more excited. I love people. I learned about medicine to be able to help people, but I was more interested in the um, the social side. So found myself wanting to go home with a lot of patients that, you know, I knew weren't going to be able to uh, to take care of, manage their health once they left my side. So got to a point where I started trying to build some community programs and things like that to support people once they left the patient side or the um, healthcare setting and really... Um, just kind of beat my head against the wall at the hospital and learned that not everybody is um, maybe as forward thinking as I am to say the least. Well, I find it hard to believe that our, our healthcare system is not remarkably progressive and, and, and patient friendly. I know. So what was the primary problem you were trying to solve when you started modern health? The primary problem was the fragmented healthcare system. So if you have several different doctors or several different uh, caretakers, um, you're seeing different labs, you're going to, um, get testing done in another place. You're trying to read all the information on the internet about how to stay healthy. 
Um, it's all very overwhelming. And so pe people essentially just give up. They essentially came back to us just as sick or even sicker because they didn't have the means they um, at, at their fingertips to be able to actually take care of things. So you help the, you help the patient kind of aggregate all of their medical records, their medical history, their appointments, their labs, all that stuff together? Yes, correct. Um, and really for, for tech people, I like to explain it like if you've ever used a project management, um, I'm assuming that you have either Jira or Asana or one of those type of things. Um, what we do is essentially that for healthcare. So our platform allows us to pull everything that you've got going on in your healthcare into one place, and then your nurse is essentially a project manager. So we're keeping an eye on everything. We're pulling it all together. We're answering questions. We're pulling in resources that you need to better do um, to better manage that care. So it seems like I've seen a lot of different tech companies or startups that were trying to combine medical record history together. Um, so is that just part of one of the things that you do? Yeah. Or do you see, I mean, do you see there's like a thousand companies out there that are trying to yeah, do that part of it? Yeah, there is. And what's really surprising um, for me being a nurse is just what I, I didn't want to build technology when I first started this. I was just trying to advocate for patients and kind of be a support system. Um, but when I went to find technology that did something like this, it just didn't, it didn't exist. So we ended up being a tech company, whether we liked it or not. Okay. I love that. We ended up being a tech company, whether we liked it or not. I think that that is probably going to be the subtitle on everything I publish going forward. Um, okay. So now you guys have, I thought you had a component or something that was related to, you guys have a monthly plan or something. Yeah. yeah I've talked to you about that. I, 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 we were at some thing. Sure. Yeah. So everything, um, you know, starts with one thing and ends up in another in startup world. Um, so being, no. <laughs> I know, crazy. Yeah. So being a nurse, I had no idea, A, what I was getting myself into, no idea what it took to start a business, um, really no idea exactly what it was going to end up being, just knew that these people needed support. Um, you know, you're, I'm a nurse, so my family was calling me all the time to be able to answer these kind of questions, but not everybody has that. So most people are kind of just left hanging out to dry. As we built this, we learned more and more um, about the overall healthcare status in our country, the insurance, um, the prices of insurance going up, how the access was really decreasing in healthcare. We've got access, um, critical access hospitals closing all over the country. Um, and there's a much bigger gap in people that actually have access to healthcare and that don't have any at all. So as we built the platform, we started learning more about um, telemedicine and how to bring in the physicians, how to bring in um, a lot of consumer shopping tools. Like you said, there's a lot of tech trying to um, say that they're solving a similar problem to this. But what I was really surprised to find as a nurse was none of them are really based around the patient. Um, most things are, here's a tool for a patient and doctor to talk more. So now we want the burden to fall on the patient and doctor. So the doctor who's already completely overworked and doesn't have that much time with their patients anyway, or somehow imagining them sitting around at night with like 20 different apps on their phone and just sitting there talking to their patients. Um, that's not sustainable. That's, you know, that's, um, it's hard enough to get doctors to use electronic medical records in the hospital, let alone um, download a bunch of apps. So the other side of that is the patient who's already completely overwhelmed, who might be going through a hard time in their life also with a new diagnosis. Um, now the burden falls on them to manage everything. 
So for example, we have an oncology patient that, you know, might be seeing 10 different doctors, might be taking 30 different medications, and they're supposed to somehow manage what are all the side effects? When do I call? Who, how do I get to the next step? Um, what's important? What's not? Um, so just essentially filling in those gaps and having a person that knows the answer that you develop a relationship with that is essentially a project manager that stays in the middle of everything all the time. So so who is ultimately the customer? I mean, so when you say project management, is that a only a software function or a human at your company helps do that? So when we first um, get a new member, so we sell to business to business right now. We're an added benefit for the employee. For the employee. Okay. Okay. Um, we pair you with one nurse who becomes the center of everything that happens from now on. So you've always got somebody that you can ask questions to that can guide you to the next step. That's actually available. That's actually available. On, on, a, on a, a more streamlined approach. So at Stackify, I have 30 employees. I would sign up uh, for all of my employees, and any of my employees could contact this nurse right? if they had any kind of health concerns? Absolutely. Okay. And then we also have brought in um, a telemedicine partner. So we actually have physicians now too that are included in that um, per month per member price of $35. So they have unlimited, unlimited access to physicians. They have unlimited access to their care partner, their nurse. And then we've brought in all the other resources like I talked about just to make things um, more streamlined. So what's interesting about this is it's <clears throat> sort of what in some senses a little bit of it is required by law in the Philippines. Yeah, like we're by law required to have a nurse in our office. Oh, if you have wow. more than yeah, well, fifty employees, hundred, hundred, yeah, like literally has to be in our really? office yeah. at all times. It's really interesting because people think that the United States has got to be the best healthcare system in the world because we're the best country, right? Nope, <laughs> but it is uh, far from Don't the truth. Started. It's interest. It's yeah. interesting, and and I don't know how many people in our office in the Philippines actually utilize the nurse or nurses that we have, but they're there. Sure. Um. Obviously, you're taking it further than that, but I just, I just, it's just FYI, it's just kind of cool. Like, you know, I just different think, countries. I just think it's crazy to think that you need a project manager if, to manage our own healthcare system. Yeah, I think it's, it's a great, it's actually a great idea. It's you true. know, well, I'll if, tell you, if you need a specialist or something, it makes sense, right? Like, if you have problems with some specific thing that your general physician wouldn't necessarily well, be the expert at. So a nurse could help direct you. I look at this too on a personal level. So my mother has dementia and she lives in an assisted care facility, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, like, and I don't know how, if you guys have ever been around dementia patients, it's just like craziness all the time, right? you know, cause they don't remember what they did two minutes ago or what they said like 10 seconds ago. Right. And then you're dealing with a lot of the things that, you know, they're not going to, you can't count on, I can't, she's not going to remember to take her medication or if she just took it or anything like that. And we look at it from a, you know, just, uh, you know, and then my dad who's had a lot of heart issues and stuff like that, like this actually would be, and by the way, my sister's a doctor on top of it. It's not like we don't have, and so is her husband. It's not like we don't have sure. medical advice, but they're busy, but being able to like, look at even on a personal level at something like this and see, you know, cause I can't go over there every day. It's not, it's not, it's, it's just what well, I guess I probably could, but I don't. Sure. Um, now I'm feeling bad about myself. <laughs> now I'm going to need to sign myself up so I can talk to my nurse and talk to my, and also I'm going to have to file a card because my business partner is, wait, is that a different problem? Dude, that's what we should do. So founder health. <laughs> so, uh, so is your target customer then, um, 
really any kind of company that is probably either a self-insured or just trying to lower their overall healthcare claims. Actually, um, that is the assumed group, but that is not our customer right now. It's not, okay. No. So our customer right now is um, either employees such, or employers such as yourself who have under 50 employees are not mandated to provide insurance, um, and the cost for insurance is crazy, right. right? So for $35 a month, they can now say, okay, well, we have access to physicians, we have access to nurses, we have... Um, access to prescriptions. We have access to um, nutrition, nutritionists, therapists, um, all of that together. So, and then in addition to that, we kind of had a surprise with uh, this last year of people reaching out to us that had around 200 or under, but what we call is underinsured. So they might pay for insurance for their employees, but the out-of-pocket expense has gotten so high that right. their employees... Are those the ones that, like, you have, like, $14,000 of, like, copay yeah, before it's right. going to really cover anything? Right. Spend yeah. $2 million yeah. and, you know, we'll put a Band-Aid on when something happens. So um, those people essentially don't have health insurance. I mean, they do, but they treat it like catastrophic. They save it for something big happening. Um, if they get in a car wreck or, you know, diagnosed with cancer or they have a hospitalization, then that's going to cover that. But other than that, they're not going to use it. So they're going to be um, basically getting sicker over time, not managing their health, avoiding appointments. Maybe they can only afford, maybe they have children and they can afford to take a child to the doctor, but that's, you know, that's their budget for the month. So but for what you provide, is it all only telehealth then? It is telehealth, yes. All telehealth. Yes, okay. we do have a couple programs um, where we have partnered with direct primary care. So there's actually a direct primary care piece to it as well. So if you want like women's health or testing or x-rays or lab drawn or any of that kind of well, stuff. It makes sense to partner with the um, the new types of doctors. Like, so I use uh, Pro Partners here, mm -hmm. Dr. Uh, Troy Burns, and it's more of a subscription thing. So I pay him like 50 bucks a month. Right. That's and the... I can go to the doctor as many times as I want for 50 bucks a month. Exactly. That's the direct primary care model. Yeah. It so... makes sense to partner mm -hmm. up with, with providers that do that. Right. So we actually just um, are getting ready to start a beta with a group like that. And it's actually the first um, national organization of direct primary care doctors. They've built a residency for the program and the doctors can go through so they can kind of learn the business side as well. Like he doesn't even <clears throat> take insurance. Right. Exactly. Doesn't take insurance at all. <laughs> exactly. And, and it's 50 bucks a month. I'm a big fan of the whole telehealth yeah. thing. And and I can text him right now and he would reply. Exactly. Yeah. And those are the kind of partners that we want. So, so that's, a, that's what direct primary yeah. care is. It's Could, doctors that have taken it back and said, I love it. I'm well, not, you, you look at like why you don't. Okay. I'm one of those people that like, I don't go to the doctor. I really don't. I mean, I probably should. I go like Nobody once a year. They like call me and they're like, you're due, you're due for blood tests. I'm like, cool. I'll come down sometime and then I go do that and then but I, you're a perfect specimen of the uh, of physical human health male. Of, of human male yeah the human yeah. male um thank you Matt thank you that's <laughs> do you want something from me because I feel like that's the nicest thing you've ever said and I want to beat you at mixtape that'll never happen because I'm just geared to do that and I'm trained but, um, okay, well, let's shift for a second. Um, and you know, this, the, and by the way, I, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. I think it's pretty cool. And you've gotten some really positive attention. I read an article online about you recently on Startland news. Thank you. Yes. Those are great people. 
they are they wonderful. Really, yeah, we can't thank them enough. We we uh, are sponsors of that organization, but I just think it's good that Kansas City just has just the events, and that's how I know you. Mm-hmm. You've also uh, come to a couple sweet and greet events. I have, and yeah, fun times. Did you enjoy those? <laughs> yes, absolutely. It was wonderful. I think it's. Um, one of the biggest struggles, especially when your head's down and you're so focused on, on what you're doing. Is to actually go do something actually, for kind of yourself. Right. You get like a two for one at the sweet and greet. You actually get to go have fun, but you can still like. You can meet, still nerd out a little bit. And meet and people what, in your community right. and stuff like that. So, yeah. And uh, um, yeah. So I think you, you've actually been to uh, two things. And you come to a Royals game recently. And uh, I think we saw Blake Shelton together. Yes. Great times. Oh. I'm out for new kids on the block tonight, though. I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. There's only, we can only fit so much of Kansas City in the suite. And, I'm going to uh, look forward Everybody to clearly wanted to. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you, you know, you can get uh, uh, on Cameo. Do you guys know what Cameo is? Where you yes. Can, uh, you can get a shout out from a musical shout out from Debbie Gibson. What? For like 150 bucks. And that's probably what Matt's going to get for his birthday. I actually almost pulled the trigger on paying Ice Tea $200 to send a message Shut to Matt that told Matt that I'm the goat, the greatest Shut of all time. Up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I didn't do that. And I really am regretful. It would have been it. a lot cooler if you had. I know. I know. So. Um, you know, here on Startup Hustle, we like to talk a lot about the plight, uh, the ups and downs of being a startup founder. So how's that going? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's a loaded one. Um, the ups or the downs, I'm not sure what, what time of day is it? I'll let you, well, that's a good response because that really is, uh, you know, so what's something, you know, you mentioned earlier, so here you, you jump in. You jump and then build wings on many, yes. on many in many ways. And um, I've had conversations with you about. Um, I remember I don't know it was after one of the Startland sure. events, and you're kind of you had recently, you know, all of a sudden you get some attention and all these people want to invest, and it's like, well, what do I do? Who's the right person? Where's the right partner? You know, and it's like, you know, there's ten thousand different ways to drive yourself crazy, and then need right. modern RN and a project manager to fix it. But what are some things that um, you've learned to or not to do? Oh, goodness. Well, I think just first of all, understanding that um, that it's going to be a marathon, you know, that it's that it's not just a sprint. And I think that when you're a game changer and um, you're constantly trying to push the limits, you kind of put everything all in and until it's done. And about three years in of doing that, I would kind of had to pull my head up and be like, okay, this is probably going to be a long, really long process. And I'm going to have to, it's never going to be done. There's always going to be better. I'm going to have to figure out um, just a way to balance everything. I'll let you know when that happens. Um, I think, like you said, you can get a million different uh, answers and you're kind of almost looking for somebody to give you an answer when, you know, you're forging away. And, and that's not always going to be the case. You're going to ask 10 people and they're going to tell you 10 different things. So in the center of that, you have to really stay focused on your mission. Um, be ready to alter it a little bit. Like I said, you know, when I first started, I was just going to do private patient advocacy on the side. And that was the way I was going to solve this problem. And the more I learned, the more people I talked to, the more pivots were made, the more we ended up solving kind of a bigger problem of just access to healthcare. 
So uh, I think just being really in tune to those changes, not being 100% set in how you're going to do what you're going to do, but just being set on what it's going to look like when it's done. Well, you said it best earlier, like we kind of accidentally became a tech company. Like we're trying to solve a problem and figured out we had to use some technology to do it, right? Like right. Focusing on the problem is the key. Absolutely. We, we ac- I don't want to say accidentally, but we kind of accidentally started full scale. We did. We were, we were, we began business partners for a completely different reason. We were, a con- our, we were going to, we were there to do what we do at full scale, but just for ourselves. And, you know, sometimes as you, uh, move down the road and you travel along, you're like, Oh wait, there's these other problems that right. need to be solved. And then sometimes like in our case, I just feel like we almost had a couple of people standing in the middle of the road with a stop sign. Like, Hey, pick us up. Take yeah, us along. We had some friends. Take yeah. us along for the ride. We had some friends who are yeah. like, "What are you doing over there?" Yeah, and how do we how do we get a how do we get in on that? And we're like, I mean, it's something we had looked at, you know, down the road, but you know, that wasn't supposed to be the focus of what we did. And then, you know, like we like to be transparent as well about our things we've done well or not. And then all of a sudden, we had one business that was doing stuff that another business ended up doing later, and then. You know, you kind of build, accidentally build a ball of rubber bands and you have to decide whether or not you're going to keep slapping rubber bands on that thing or if you want to unwind them. And, you know, the next thing you know, that ball of rubber bands is rolling down the street full speed and then you have a couple and bouncing of, too. and yeah. bouncing and, and, and not even bouncing straight. It's like, you know, <laughs> like sometimes it stops, you feel like you catch up with it and then it just rolls again. You're like, how'd you even do that? So, so what stage would you say your business is at this time? Are, are you kind of in growth mode or are you still trying to identify like the perfect product market fit or where would you say you're kind of at? I'd say we're really close to growth mode. We're um, kind of at the end of really making sure all of our processes are in place, that everything is, um, you know, just sustainable and ready for growth. We're testing out a couple more markets. Um, Actually got an advisor meeting this afternoon for four hours where we're going to kind of decide if we're going to test a few of these other markets that have been reaching out to us or if we're going to just try to grow with the market that we're already in. For what you're doing, do you have to be specific about like what cities and regions you go into or can you just support everybody? We can support everybody. So so when you say you decide like the type of markets, is that not yeah, like region more, or is that <clears throat> a no, different? No, it's not region. It's um, like we've had people that want to just license our technology. Okay. We've had um, just a couple different, like I said, the direct primary care market is a big one that we're in, we're, we're talking through right now. Um pretty, pretty solidly moving forward with that one. But then we've also got some government programs that have reached out to us that, and some non-for-profits that want to add our services into some of the rural communities, which we're really excited about. But just again, understanding when is it time to do that? And when does it make sense to grow into that? Yeah, it's, I can definitely see with part of what you're doing overlaps with like my doctor and what he does for mm-hmm. direct, direct care. Now, I'm probably the 1% that uses that. Like very few people right. use that, right? But I could see them potentially using a technology like this, yeah, right? Yeah, their so. models are very lean. Um, and they also share a mission with us because they care about the patient. They are very much care about the relationship with the patient. Um, and then they also do not take insurance, right. which we don't either. So, you know, we've been offered to pair with insurance groups in the past, and that's just not part of our mission. Um, as a nurse, I just know that, you can't stay patient centered when you start putting red tape up like that. So we will always stay partners with the patient, um, regardless of what insurance they have, regardless if they have insurance, regardless if they have chronic disease or if they're just trying to prevent, you know, um, getting sick, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, you know, we're there with the patient. So 
the direct primary care docs are very much the same. They've taken back health care. They don't take insurance. Um, but their model is very lean, so they often don't have a lot of nurse reach. So it's kind of a nice add-on to add us. Yeah. Where, I hadn't really even considered the rural thing because I know that in rural communities, just it's hard to get doctors oh, at yeah. their healthcare facilities at all. Like Telemedicine just, becomes yeah, yeah, really yeah. Important. That becomes really important. And then, uh, um, you know, that was one of the things I remember when you know when Google Fiber came to Kansas City and they said, "Oh, this is going to enable companies to possibly like, you know, have a, a better access to the kind of bandwidth they need to do things like obviously you it, if you were talking to a doctor." on and you're doing it online you can't be in like the lowest resolution you're like hey what's this thing on my right. forehead and I, well i really can't see it but i think it might be well one of my neighbors is a perfect example of this he uh reads he's a radiologist so he reads x-rays all day long mm -hmm. out of his house yeah and he's his if you go into his office in his house it looks like a mad scientist like you know like all <laughs> these computers everywhere and all this stuff and he has like google fiber and uh, he sits all day looking at these super high resolution uh, x-rays and MRIs and all that stuff. And he can only do it because he's got the bandwidth. Right, right. And that was like some of the, the points that were being made with that. And, you know, like back to that rural issue, like, I mean, some of these rural communities have gone, so, you know, like I said, my sister's a doctor and so is her husband. So as I, you know, it's been a while, but as they were going through medical school and, and all that, they were talking, you know, she, she talked to me about some of her, um, you know, obviously medical school is really expensive and some of these rural communities will literally pay off your, your med, mm -hmm. your med school. If you'll come be a doctor there for like, like three or four years. And I mean, they're going to great lengths and these are also communities that probably don't have a whole lot of, a whole ton of money. You know, they're right. and on some levels, they're probably more concerned about having a good veterinarian in town than they are about having a doctor, <laughs> yeah. you know, so sure. I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, now, is there any uh, any plans for you to try to is this all just U.S. stuff now? Right now? Yes. OK. Is this does this have international implications on some level? Maybe. Oh, I'm trying not to <clears throat> trying not to go there yet. Um but we've definitely been in, approached on a couple of those uh, issues. Sure. Yes. I mean, if you think about it, it gets pretty exciting because somebody from a, you know, another country really could have access to the doctors here in America, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that was another point from like the Google fiber example was, you know, they're like, Oh, well, a doctor could look at someone in Zaire. I'm like, I'm pretty sure the bandwidth in Zaire is not <laughs> gigabit. Right. It might be. Um, I'm right. actually, you know, I'm actually kind of surprised that a lot of foreign countries actually have, you, you, like in the Philippines, we're like, God, are we going to have enough bandwidth? We have a fiber connection that goes into our office. So, yes. I mean, at, the, at this day and age, all you need is like a good, you know, LTE, you know, Wi-Fi type connection, cellular connection for something like Skype or video over Facebook Messenger or whatever. Yeah. And we're finding um, in the rural areas, we still you know, use the phone a lot too. I mean. The what? <laughs> The yeah. what? People still make phone calls? Like yes. the twisted pair kind of phone? <laughs> I call Matt all the time and he answers the phone surprised that someone's called. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah by the way, yesterday's guest actually started the podcast with a British accent since we're talking about surprising things. So you know what was going to make this day? Like we're in celebration of, of this amazing concert experience that we're going to go through tonight. Um. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you familiar with Mixtape the Game? 
Not yet. Okay. Well, we've invested in Mixed Safe the Game. We're helping them build a digital product, and we've had a lot of fun with it. It's a party game. So basically, the way that this goes is I'm going to read a scenario, and we will pick a song, and then we all have – we get to vote for the other person. You can't vote for yourself. So um, you just reached the summit of Mount Everest, and you're watching the sunrise. What song is playing? Step by step from New Kids on the Block. <laughs> I, can, Tiffany. I, I'm not from, you're going with, yeah, I think, I think, I think we're I'm alone a, yeah, now. I think we're alone now. Oh, wow. Step by step. I'm not singing. Ooh, baby. Is that, I, I'm not. Uh, oh, you'll, not you'll hear it tonight. I'm not registering. Can yeah. you give me a few more, a no, few more lines? you'll hear it tonight though. You know, for someone who claims to be such a master at mixtape, I'm a bit at, I'm a bit, I want to like think of a mountain song. And I'm oh I'm gonna go with what with John Denver's what is it Rocky Mountain High, even though it's Mount Everest and I know I'm not gonna win because I'm go I'm already voting for I think we're alone now. All right. Yeah. She's got the deciding vote. Or what? Who are you voting for? I know you're not voting for me. You never. This is you never vote for me. <laughs> by the way, I've just like figured this out. Like I don't need pattern recognition software right. to figure I out. I feel so. like I need a pity vote from. from I'm you. voting for new kids on the block. You can't vote for yourself, dude. And by the way, yesterday you picked Whitney Houston. Not even a song, <laughs> but just like the entire Whitney Houston catalog. Like I will always love you. No, I picked a song. No, you really didn't. I did eventually. You, yeah. Okay. So are you So voting? I have to vote for her. Well, then she already won. We don't even need her vote. So every single day when we, we do this, I always vote for the guest. I, I never vote for you. I know. I just figured that out. So the out. guest wins every time. I know. I figured that out. I figured that out. God. You're I knew just, I was going to win. Well, he's just mad because I beat him at rock, paper, scissors like 16 episodes in a row, which is pretty much improbable. He even bought me a t-shirt. Yeah, I did. It says Rochambeau World Champion. It has, like a little, <laughs> it has like a little icon of a rock, a paper, and a scissors. And by the way, I've been training Dylan to play because oh. she's going to be – I've retired. I've retired. I've got nothing left to play for, Matt. I really right. don't. I've got everything to lose. Okay. So, um, well, first off, thanks for coming in. Um, this has been interesting. So what, what, as we kind of come to a conclusion here on episode 99, woo, ooh, that's a mixtape card. You're coming up on episode 100 of your podcast. What song is playing? I think we're alone yeah, now. That's what I was say too. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. And by the way, I listened to yesterday's episode and I noticed that Austin said, Your listener. I was like, damn it. Your listener. Yeah. Yeah. He was a comedian for a while, so he thinks he's pretty funny. Um, so what you know, what's what's what do you think the future holds? Uh what do you what's something you really need to overcome and what do you like? I mean, what really is the game changer for you to make this uh, a global phenomena, much like New Codes on the Block? Uh, <laughs> well, I think um, one of the big pieces that's fallen into place for us recently and just on my own journey is getting the right people around me. Mm -hmm. um, I think that first little bit, you realize that your risk tolerance is much higher than everyone else in your world, probably. Yeah. Um, so you kind of guard guard everyone from what's going on. You keep it separate. You deal with everything. You shoulder everything. Um, so we've got some really big supporters now and some people coming in that we're able to really walk through the processes with. Um, so what do we need to overcome? 
what do we not need to overcome? <laughs> Gosh, I'm trying to think of like one thing that's just completely solid that we don't need to overcome still. But, um, you know, I think it's just keep moving forward and not getting in our own way and continuing to listen to the people that we're trying to help and make sure that what we're, you know, as we move forward, it's always about making things better for them and, and just continuing to, to, to bring value to the actual patient. And I feel like the money and the growth and all that kind of stuff just follows that. Okay. Uh, do you have any hopeful words, advice, or, you know, um, just words of wisdom to share yeah, for yeah. our audience. And, and by the way, and, and feel free to, um, uh, you know, let's, let's be realistic. The startup world's like really dude centric Yeah. too. Like, I mean, it is, um, I mean, even if you have, um, you know, I have a daughter, um, who's, who I believe will probably based on her personality at four is probably, she wanted a lemonade stand for Christmas. That was it. like, this is my <laughs> well, kid. Yes. And like, I mean, what's some advice that you have for, for the ladies? Oh goodness. Well, um, so I grew up with all boys on a farm, so I had to keep up with the boys. And I think that that probably helped me cause they gave me a big mentality of, you know, no excuses. Cause you're a girl, you're still carrying mm -hmm. firewood, you're still cutting wood, you're still feeding the horses. So I think that that, um, probably really helped me. I would like to say more so for people that don't have startup experience because I'm a first time founder and I'm mission driven for something I saw in the world. Um, don't get discouraged when you feel like you're working so hard and there's just nothing um, coming to fruit, I guess, at, at the time. I, I seriously had to learn everything I could about marketing. There's a season I had to learn everything about sales. There's a season I had to learn everything about tech. And it can be very daunting. And you think, you know, just am I wasting my time? Is this, there's so much to this. Um, but now being full circle, it's, you know, I have a better understanding of what's going on in my company. When I go talk to a marketing company, you know, I know what to expect. And how did you choose what to focus on? Cause you know, I'll talk to people sometime. They're like, yeah, I'm learning how to code so I can build my platform. I'm like, that's a terrible waste of time because <laughs> there's probably a six-year-old somewhere that's more advanced than you sure. are. You could probably, you know, and I'm not trying to discourage people from learning new tasks, but people ask me that all the time. They're like, are you a programmer? I'm like, dude, I write checks, not code. Right. Like, and it's not, it doesn't fit my personality style. Right. So for me, it was just uh, out of necessity. It was at first, um, I had to learn marketing so I could market the story so I could yeah. get people on board. And then I think there's a huge transition between, you know, getting everybody involved with your story and the mission and then flipping over to building an actual business with it. You know, okay, now everybody's on board and we've got all this momentum. You know, now it's less about getting our story out there and more about actually what building about a the business. Tech, what about the tech stuff? Because, you know, you were, a, you mentioned medical coding. Is that actually like, what is that? No, it's um basically billing. It's how okay. we decide. I see. We, there's a number code for every diagnosis. So, so now when you went and now after you accidentally became a tech company, yeah. how did you deal with that? Because there's, I mean, that man, you want to talk about things that can be overwhelming or confusing. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I just really like diving into things I don't know. So I, I understand that it gets to be a waste at a certain point, but I at least want to understand what I'm asking somebody else to do. So I did really basic stuff, like I taught myself how to code our first website on WordPress, you know, just really simple, not, I guess, not actually coding more, um, following the templates and, mm -hmm. and I got to where I could go in and change a button and get real excited or things like that. But 
So I don't have a huge understanding, but just understanding how it works, um, enough knowledge to know what your expectations are when you bring on a tech team. Um, we actually just had um, 2,500 hours of programming invested in us. So we've, um, we're right in the middle of kind of bringing our tech around to the next level and being able to really add some cool features like being able to see when someone walks into a doctor's office, you know, your doctor or your nurse will be alerted and, hey, your patient just walked into the hospital. Let's give them a call and see if there's something we need. So how did you get that investment? What what kind of investment was that? Um, just for tech hours. It's a tech group in town that came to us and uh, liked what we were doing, had been involved in healthcare and a couple other businesses um, that had sold and said that they think this is um, the next thing to make sense and they want to be part of it. So, so we've got uh, like I said, 2,500 hours of programming. Very cool. Which is either a lot or not enough. Yeah, you never know. You'll figure that out. You'll know after about 20, about 2,500 hours from now. Yeah, exactly. You'll have, you'll have to we, ask me then. It, as you're aware, you know, we do we do similar investments and, and uh, on a case-by-case -case basis. And, um, you know, people always want to know, well, what am I going to get for that? I'm like, you're going to get what you get. No idea. It's like the worst and the best answer ever. So... Right. Well, thank you for coming in. Um, by the time this airs, I will have already been to New Kids on the Block, which means if you're listening and you made it this far in the episode, I'm <laughs> going to, I am that much awesomer by now. My life, my <laughs> life, my life has probably changed. It has changed. I'm just going to, I'm foreshadowing there, but I'm positive. And, you know, Matt, I, I'm a little disappointed. You should have skipped Ingram's 40 under 40 award ceremony. I mean, come on. You'll probably win yeah. again next year. Salt and pepper. Come on. I know. I know. I know. And I mean, new kids on the box clearly once in a lifetime opportunities. So. Yeah, they're clearly under 40. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> those dudes have got to be like 50, right? I know. How old are some of them? Like, I don't know. We'll look that up. If you know how old all of the members of New Kids on the Block are and you post this information in the Startup Hustle chat on Facebook, I will send you both copies of my book and a full-scale T-shirt along with a set of four Startup Hustle coasters. First person to reply wins. See you guys next time. Thanks. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.